You're listening to New Jersey Divorce Solutions Divorce Happy Hour with your host, Christina Previtt and John Knocklinger. We're two divorce lawyers from New Jersey here to talk about love, life, and divorce. Whether you're thinking about divorce, going through one now, or been there, done that, or if you're just a divorce boy, or this show is for you. To learn more about us and our law firm, you can find us at centraljerseyfamilylaw.com. You can also find us on social media. Just search for NJ Divorce Solutions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And let us know if you like our show or if you hate it and what topics you'd like us to discuss. Please keep in mind that this show is for informational purposes only. It's not intended to take the place of legal advice. If you need legal advice, please call New Jersey Divorce Solutions at 732-384-1550. Mention this program for a free consultation. Hey, everybody. We are rejoining our podcast today. And today's topic that we want to talk to you about is your summer to-do list. You might think that only the kids have homework or a summer reading list, but grown-ups do too. There's plenty of stuff that you guys need to be doing, whether you're thinking about a divorce, planning to do one soon, or if you are divorced already and you're considered post-judgment, there are some things that you need to consider and be forward-thinking if you know, if you have children, um, if there are certain legal issues that are on the horizon. We don't want to wait until the last minute in the fall to start addressing those things. So we want to bring those things to your attention. Now, Christina, I'm an adult. I don't like homework. Yeah, well, it's part of life, John. So it's not necessarily homework. It's like John loves this saying, if you if you fail to plan, then plan to fail. I think you have that on Facebook or something. And it really is true. A lot of us, myself included, I'm guilty of this. You know, we put things off until... It's absolutely in our faces and we have to deal with it right at that moment. It's really not the best way to do things. I think we can all acknowledge that. It's really not the best way to do things. But from a legal perspective, you really can't. I'll just give a a really easy example just to illustrate the point. If you have your kids are starting school in September and there's some school-related issue, you can't wait until Labor Day to start talking about that. Because if you can't resolve the issue, that means you have to go to court and it takes time to do all of that. It takes time to get your attorney, or if, even if you're doing it yourself, do the paperwork, get it filed, get the court to put it on the calendar, get the court to address it. I mean, if you wait until the problem is already here, it's not going to be addressed. And quite frankly, even now, if you started it now, it's probably not enough time to resolve it, but it certainly won't be enough time if you wait until Labor Day. I mean, this is just like summer camp. Like, my daughter's in summer camp, and we had to sign her up in, like, February. Because you can't wait until the day before because the camps might be full. Maybe you can't get the busing schedule right. I mean, it's like anything in your life. You have to plan. You can't just show up at the last minute. I always think of it as like if you want to go to a really nice restaurant, you have to make a reservation in advance. You can't That's just show right. Up. And you know what? I mean, I'm just thinking, yeah, well, there are a lot of people that do wait. I mean, how many people call us and they're literally arguing about which camp the kid is going to go to and camp starts next Monday. That happens all the time. It's because they they want to avoid having the argument. It's true. Things. Yeah. I mean, look, if that's how you roll, then that's fine. <laughs> but if you would like things to be a little easier, 
maybe not worry about it at the last minute, then we're just here to remind you some of the stuff you might already be thinking about, but some of it, maybe it's something that you haven't thought about it. So that's what we'd like to do with a public service announcement in this podcast is to remind you if you have some of these things looming, maybe you do need to start taking some action today. Yeah, so I want to start with this whole idea of where the kids go to school. Um, I just was handling a mediation recently where the parties had agreed that one parent would be the parent of primary residence and they agreed to a parenting schedule. So they go to enroll this kid in school, and I've never heard of this before, but this particular school district um, wanted not just that the parent be named the parent of primary residence, but demanded for that child to be enrolled in that school district that they sleep at the parent of primary residence house on Sunday night. I have never heard of this before, but they would not enroll the child unless we did a new agreement that memorialized that. And the only reason I bring that up is one thing you've got to do if you're going to enroll a child in school is understand what the policies and procedures are of the school district. What it, what re, what does it require for you to actually go to school there? Because you know the schools now are all so uh, territorial about their money and everything. Yeah. They don't want children going to their school districts that shouldn't be there. So some of these schools have really these really aggressive policies about who, like if parents are separated, which children can go to their school district. Because obviously there's two parents, there's going to be two school districts. They pro- Maybe they would rather the kid go to a different school district. And you know, there is an easy solution for that. If, if as long as one of the parents resides in the school district that you want the kids to go to, you, can, you don't have to transfer custody to that other parent. You can have an order that simply says that, you know, mom or dad is parent of primary residence solely for purposes of school district. I've had people be very concerned about that because they think, they think erroneously, they think that they have to give custody to the other parent, but you don't have to do that. So if that is a concern of yours, then it need not be. I did engage in litigation with someone who didn't know this and she actually lied about her address. I think she had a friend or a family member in the town where the school was and she lied about her address. Someone found out and she was in litigation over it. She was looking at potentially having to reimburse the school district for thousands of dollars. And please don't do that. You know, I think we always think no one's going to find out until they do. And then it's already a problem. Then you already have potentially fines. Um, I, I don't know if there was any potential criminal action there, but it was a huge problem. I'm sure that there's a criminal liability there. Or exposure anyway. Yeah, I mean, and you know, she didn't have the money to, to pay thousands of dollars in fines and, you know, not to mention she had legal costs now. Well, particularly if your kids are going to school in, you know, one of the, um, I'll call it more elite school districts in the state where they're really mindful of people trying to get into their school districts that shouldn't be there, you need to be really careful. And this goes back to what I said a minute ago. Just be sure you talk to you know, the uh, administrative personnel at the school and make sure you know what your agreement needs to say. Because I do agree, most of the time, if all you need to say is parent to primary residence for school purposes. But like I was just saying, this particular school district, that wasn't enough. And at the end of the day, if you don't agree with the school district, what's your choice? Sue them to get your child into school or do whatever the school district says you need to do to get your kid into the school district. And you you might be able to get some of that information online, what the yeah. residency requirements are before you actually go to the school and start telling them how you'd like to manufacture residency. Well, you know what? This is just like 
um, how a divorce attorney is not an accountant or a tax lawyer. Um, you know, we're here to help you get through this family law matter, this, um, you know, a custody dispute, a financial dispute, um, deal with modification of something. But you really have to go and you have to talk to these other people at the school district, your accountant, and get information so you can make good decisions here. Because I'll tell you right now, whenever you retain you know, our firm to represent you, we specifically tell you that we don't provide tax advice. I'm just going to give a great example that you need to go and talk to somebody else. Yeah, but we will provide guidance. I mean, if we yeah, recognize yeah. that you, you can start with us. And if we recognize that you need an accountant on a very specific issue, yeah. then we'll tell you that and we'll explain to you why. And we'll give you a referral to an accountant if you don't have one. Or likewise, if you need someone who does education law, we'll recognize that and we'll advise you that you need someone who does that and we can help you make that connection. So it's not like we're just, we're doing things piecemeal and saying, well, oh, sorry, yeah. you're on your own on the tax issue. Well, you know, but this is why having a to-do list and getting ahead of it is so important. Yeah. Because what might turn out is you come to an attorney and you say, listen, I have this issue. My kids need to go to school or, you know, I have this issue and taxes haven't been paid in forever and I, you know, I just got a notice from the IRS. Well, if you are waiting till the last minute, you know, we might tell you, listen, we can help you with part of this, but you need to go speak to another professional too to get some more advice. And if you wait till the last minute, that's just going to further uh, handcuff your ability to get it done in a timely manner. Yeah. I mean, I think what I would want to bring to people's attention right now is anything related to college planning. So if you have a child that is about to start college in the fall, well, I hate to tell you this, but it's already a little late for you to be getting started on this. But if you haven't done it, you really need to do it right now. Like right now, finish listening to our podcast. And then after that, you need to call us immediately <laughs> because you need to have this done. Most of you, if you do have a child who's starting school this fall in college, you probably have a term bill already that has to be paid. And usually there's some due date in August to pay those. You probably had to pay a deposit already too. So if you don't know... Who's paying for what? If you're just, you know, crossing your fingers and hoping that the financial aid package is going to cover everything, what are you going to do if it doesn't? And there also needs to be discussion about whether your expectation is that the student is going to take out loans in his or her name, because a lot of times there is, is disagreement about that. Um, sometimes the student isn't able to get loans. There's a limited amount of loans that you can really get. Um, and I actually have a background in financial aid. I used to work in financial aid at a college before I was a law, um, a law student and then a lawyer, which I guess at this point was a long time ago. Before you met your calling. Yes, before I found my true calling. So, And I know some of those laws may have changed, so I don't consider myself well, to be... is it late to be applying for scholarships now? No, I mean, you can apply for them at any time, but it's always better to do it earlier. And I think the um, colleges work with you once the student is admitted and and has decided where they're going. Then you work on any anybody who's got a college student knows what a FAFSA is. So um, basically, it's all connected to that. So I think it has been very beneficial for me and my clients that I had a background in financial aid because I do understand what the FAFSA is, what it does. There's different types of aid. Um, and actually, it, it really has been beneficial because a lot of times my adversary does not know any of that. And they make a lot of assumptions and there's a lot of misinformation out there that they rely on. For instance, you know, there's different kinds of student loans and 
you'll get a letter in the mail that just says that you couldn't get this one loan and they think that it means, well, you didn't get anything. And it doesn't, it usually doesn't mean that. It's just one very specific type of loan and it can get complicated. So it has been beneficial that I know a lot of that information. And I'll do a plug for you, Christina. Uh, you wrote some excellent blogs on our website about this very issue. I still remember I learned so many things from reading those blogs. So if you go to our website, centraljerseyfamilylaw.com, and you click on the blogs link, and there should be a college sort of section. Uh, there's some articles that really go into some level of detail about the financial aid process and the things you need to think about. Yeah, and I, I know that that stuff can, it gets, it's really scary for a lot of people because they just don't understand it. It's a lot of information. It seems overwhelming. We can help you with that. You can always consult with a financial aid advisor at your child's school. They're very helpful. That's what they're there for to explain all of that to you. But I think the point I'm really trying to make is if you haven't um, addressed when your child is starting college, how the term bill is being paid, what the financial aid is, and really fine-tuned that, you need to be doing that right now. Um, and also, if it's more, it's more urgent if the child is starting now in the fall, but if you have someone who is going from their junior year of high school to their senior year, you really need to start working on that now. You're probably already talking generally about the college admission process and maybe figuring out you know, when, what schools to apply to. And don't they do early admission now? I don't like even November? know, actually. I think it's like November. It's, it it's seems like really it gets early. earlier, earlier every year, but well, you, you know, really should start working on that now because if, you, especially if you don't have the most amicable relationship with your ex, you know, you should, you should assume that any conversation or any agreement you have to reach, if it's not amicable, it's just going to take three times longer than it should. So be prepared for that. There's, there's a time issue. And you don't want your child to be disappointed and worrying about, you know, amongst all the other things that they, they're worrying about, you know, transition from high school to college. Now they have to worry about their parents fighting and where's the money going to come from and who's going to pay for it and, you know... Mom won't pay, but dad will, or whatever it is. You don't, you don't want to add that whole other layer of stress. To and if you don't have resolution and you don't want your child disappointed, what's going to happen? One parent's probably going to pay for everything and then try to get the other parent to reimburse them. And, you know, once you've already paid, I feel like it gets even harder to sort of get the other person to agree to give you anything back. And it just really really drives you more towards the court intervening. So that's why I think it's important and this done as far in advance as possible. The one thing I wanted to be sure that I mentioned is a lot of people don't think about everything that's involved in college expenses. They think about tuition, the room, the board, and the books and the fees. They think of the big things. Whatever appears on the term. Right. Bill. But there's two there's two things that I see come up all the time that people fight about. One is setting up a dorm room. Like yes, buying this, new things, yeah. sheets and, and a deodorant and, and yeah, you know that. shampoo and all that stuff. Yeah, so a, a lot of times the person who's paying child support will be like, oh, that's all included in child support. I'm not giving you anything else. And that's all additional expenses. And the other big thing is traveling to and from school. You know, particularly if your children, you know, let's say live in New Jersey and they're going to North Carolina for college. Um that's going to be flights. You know, how many times a year is the child going to come home? Who's going to pay for those flights? Those are all things that need to be part of the agreement that you're reaching. Because otherwise, what's going to happen? 
you want your child to come home for Christmas and you didn't put that in your agreement, you're going to end up paying for the ticket because you want your child to come home. Yeah, and spending money too. I mean, your kid's going to have... Although maybe they should work a little bit while they're in school. You know, how are they going to pay for Thirsty Thursdays if they're not getting money from mom? (laughs) (laughs) My mom would have said, go get yourself a job. Go get a job. Yeah. Get a J-O-B. Anyway, that's that's a value issue, and we don't need to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, some other things. Obviously, the, the obvious ones are the school-related issues. And I just wanted to point out that even if you have a junior in, in high school, that you should still be thinking about that. But what are some other things that we could give parents for their summer homework list? Well, I mean, it's a little late to be talking about summer camp, but I just, you know, next knowing this going into next year, really try to resolve summer camp issues as far in advance as possible. Because um, there's really, there's really like three major arguments I see with summer camp. One is, particularly as kids get older, there's this whole, the whole concept of overnight camps. And, you know, usually one parent's like totally against it, one person really wants to do it. I feel like it usually comes down to money. Yeah. Um, then secondly, it's, you know, the I'm going to call them the hoity-toity camps, and I can say that because my daughter goes to one, uh, that are a little, probably a little bit more expensive than most parents um, want to pay. But, um, you know, parents such as myself really want to give your child that kind of experience. And the other parent is more preferring, you know, like the, the rec program in uh, town that's very inexpensive. Well, what I really like about um, Sydney's school I hope I can say this, that there's a certain child that goes there. I, I won't say who the celebrities are, because maybe that's not appropriate. <laughs> but there is a certain celebrity couple. I will say the gentleman. Well, both of them are super attractive, but, you know, I, I the gentleman is particularly attractive. <laughs> I just happen to notice. And their child goes to that school. So I secretly want to bring, I want to bring Sydney there one day so that I can, you know, scope out the parking lot. <laughs> You see should. if I can see them. You should. You should. Um, and then, and then, of course, you've got kids that are involved in sports, and then you got the, the sports camps. I mean, summer camp is a very complex thing. And and it is considered child care. So a lot of people think is. that, well, if I have to contribute to work-related child care during the year, sometimes they think they don't have to for camp. But camp is generally lumped in with what we consider to be work-related well, child care. What are you going to do with your kid while you're at work? Well, They're yeah. going to sit in your office and watch their iPad all summer? It is, but I mean, I, you, I'm sure you've had plenty of people yeah, try to argue yeah. that it's not included. Yeah, are, are, and that's sort of the argument why the kids should be at some, you know, very inexpensive place rather than looking at what's in their best interest. I mean, if you have a child who's really involved in lacrosse, um, then it's not unreasonable to pay for them to go to a lacrosse camp. You know, particularly if your kids are in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, sending them to Boy Scout and Girl Scout camp is appropriate. Your kids are involved in band, sending them to band camp is appropriate. Um, but I feel like it all comes back down to money. I Typically, you'll see one, and it's not always, but a lot of times it's going to be the parent that um, is the it doesn't have primary custody of the children. Maybe only sees the kids on the weekends, that sort of thing. Um, they just don't want to spend the money. They think the kids should just be in, you know, like I said, the rec program. I don't know why I'm concentrating on a rec program, but I know that most rec programs are fairly inexpensive. It's just an issue that comes up a lot. It's something that we see over and over again. Yeah, and, and I think what you were saying, saying earlier, I just want to really emphasize, it 
on average, will take a court, I would say, somewhere between two and six months to resolve these things. At so, least. And yeah. a lot of times, the judge will just tell you, go to mediation. So you just spent, you know, two months to get in front of a judge, just to get in front of him or her. And then they tell you, well, go to mediation and try that. And if, if that doesn't work, then come back. Which is really frustrating. So I encourage people just start out at mediation. Yeah. And most people have agreements now that have some provision that if an issue arises that they'll start with mediation and do that first. Yeah. Or make sure your like you just said, make sure your agreement addresses it. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, and I mean, you know, if you have kids, you know you're going to deal with this issue. Yeah. Every single person who works and has kids has to deal with summer, summer camp, child care issues. You've got to. Just like everyone goes on vacation, most people want to go on vacation during the summer. Yeah, that's another good um, suggestion is that if you have some provision in your agreement for summer vacation time with the kids, address that. I mean, we're already it's already July, so I hope that people have addressed that already. But if you haven't, do it now. How, um, have, you, how have you addressed uh, summer vacation and agreements in the past? I, I let the clients be the lead on that. I usually will have, I will tell them to have some provision on vacation time and then I'll, they're sort of the litmus test for what they need. Because if the people can get along and it really doesn't seem to be a big issue for them, then they don't need a lot of guidance in their agreement. But it's the people I can't even agree on what time it is. Those are the people that need a lot of structure in their agreements. So I, by the time you get to that point where you're settling, you know them pretty well. You know if they are able to work together collaboratively yeah, or not. Yeah, you know not. if they're going to be fighting it each and every year over, you know, what what week they're each going to take the kids somewhere. Yeah, but if you have an agreement that has some provision for how the summer is allocated, address that now. If you need to give notice to the other parent that you want to take a vacation, do that now. Don't wait until, you know, two days before you're supposed to leave for the vacation. Um, and you know, I think that's just true of any, generally any holiday parenting time, like 4th of July is this week. You know, if you wanted 4th of July time, I certainly hope you've addressed that because as, as we're recording this, what is today? The, the third. The third. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, what time is it? I bet we get a phone call today for somebody that wants to fight over 4th of July parenting time. <laughs> so, I mean, we're laughing about it, but it happens. It happens every year. It happens. Yeah, and, and holiday parenting time um, is a little off topic. It supersedes all other parenting time. And I think that that's something that people tend to forget uh, during the course of the year. That's why holiday, making sure you address your holidays when you're getting divorced or you're entering into an agreement is so important. Because it really is important to, um, it's really important to specify who's going to get what. I mean, um, I know that we're in July. But Thanksgiving and Christmas are going to be around the corner, and all the Jewish holidays are coming up. Yeah, well, that's actually something I wanted to point out, is that if you, if there's something that's still unresolved in your settlement agreement, or if you're in the process of the divorce, start thinking now about what you want to do with those upcoming holidays. They seem far away. We're still worried about summer, but they're not that far away. And if it's going to take you time to resolve those, and if especially if you're going to have to go to court, it's going to take several months to address it. So start now. And I'll tell you right now, no judge thinks it's an emergency if you come in at the last minute. No. If you show up on December 23rd because you want Christmas Eve, they don't care. 
You know, their, their feeling is, I'm sorry that you didn't realize that Christmas comes on the same day every year. Not my problem. And resolve it. Your adults resolve it. That, that will be their attitude. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not just who has what holidays. You need to address what time you're picking up the kids and what time you're dropping them off. I feel like if I you're a... not able to to work amicably with your and your right. spouse, which you, you have know, to do it's that. it's interesting. Um, I would say, by and large, most people that we've represented have been able to co-parent effectively. Um, it's the few that can't, and when I say can't, usually it's one person that's the problem. But the people that can't... Oh, I don't agree with that, John. Oh, I do. But I, I think that in any divorce, it's never 100% one person. Both people contribute well, I agree, to that. I agree with that. I agree with that. But um, John and I disagree a lot, though. So. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> That's okay. Maybe That's just, okay. Yeah, maybe I've just had, you know, I've just had less... Uh, less aggravating clients. John, John always thinks that his client is the one that's right. <laughs> but I will tell my client when they're being a jerk. I mean, I try to be nice about it, but I will tell them, look, maybe we need to talk about, and I'll say it in this voice, you know, maybe we need to explore what things you could do differently. And I, would I say, wait for them to scream at me. I would say I've never, I would say I've never heard you use that voice before, except when you're talking to me like Lucky that. Lucky you. <laughs> no, I mean, I look, I, you know, sometimes it is more, there is one person that's more to blame. They're just more difficult and the answer is always no. And, you know, we, we all know people like that, but I, I think most of the time, if the two people are not getting along, there is a dynamic there that exists that both of them created. It could just be one thing I tell my clients all the time, and and they don't always listen because it's it's hard to. It's hard to resist. But if someone's, they know how to push your buttons. They know what to say that's going to piss you off. And it's very hard to just turn the other cheek and not respond and not react. It's hard to do that. But sometimes that's the only thing that works because they can't stand there and argue with themselves. If you walk away, who are they all gonna argue with? No, I agree with right? that. I agree with that, but on the flip side, if somebody, if somebody is violating the agreement all the time, and you fight with them, but you ultimately let them get away with it. I always tell people you have no one to blame but yourself. Because if you if you have an agreement that says you get Christmas and the other parent won't give you the children for Christmas, you can't just sit, sit around and let take that. You've got to do something about it. I recently spoke to a uh, client who has had an issue for many years of a parent egregiously violating their rights and things like this because we always think about not giving the children as in like not opening the door so they can leave but people will do other things that are just as bad like for example one of the examples i was told in this particular case was the children were supposed to come for a vacation and on the morning that they were supposed to leave on vacation the parent that they were with went and brought home two new puppies that is so manipulative. So, so the children wanted to stay and play with the puppies. And so... This, and how old the, were the kids? I think they were like eight and nine, that kind of age. Yeah, that's but, calculated. But, so instead of... So whenever the other parent came to pick up, it wasn't 
I'm not letting you have the kids. It was the kids saying, we don't want to go because we just got these new puppies. So this kind of manipulation shows up in all kinds of different forms. But whenever you see it, if you let it go on for too long, it's just like a bully. Somebody who gets away with it gets away with it. You got to do put your foot down and get in the middle of it. And that kind of goes with these holidays. If you know your spouse is your ex-spouse at this point, probably, is going to give you a hard time on these holidays because they did last year, then do something now about it. Do something now. Get, you know, it could be just a lawyer writing a letter to them saying, you know, basically putting you on notice. We're not tolerating it this year to actually getting, you know, a judge slapping their wrist and telling them here's how it's going to be moving forward. Um, but, you know, either way, we operate in a system of orders where people agree to things or they're ordered to do things and people have to follow them. And if you don't follow them, you have to hold them accountable. And if you don't, they're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. So I think that to sort of wrap up, I think most of these things probably apply to people that are already divorced. But one piece of advice that I would give people who are maybe thinking about divorce and, and hasn't communicated that to the other party yet, I would say don't put it off because there's always an excuse why I can't do it now. And the best excuses are the ones that are coming up soon, which are, oh, school just started. I'm preoccupied with school. I don't want to upset the kids when they just started school. And then you have the holidays. That's always, that's the biggest one is, well, nobody wants to, you know, tell the family we're getting a divorce on Thanksgiving or Christmas. So they only say they're going to wait until after the holidays. So then you have, you know, January through March or April, right, is the, is the hot time to communicate you want a divorce because the next excuse is, well, it's spring break or school is about to end. I'm preoccupied with that. Or it's summertime. There's always an excuse. No matter what the season, no matter what the occasion, there's always an excuse why now is not the right time. But I would tell you summer probably is the best time. I agree. Because it's before, it's plenty of time before the holiday. The kids aren't in school. So obviously that's a family matter. It's not just something that exists between you and your spouse. It's a family issue. And it gives you some time while the kids are not distracted with school to figure out how you're going to tell them if you want to get family counseling so that a counselor can help you communicate it to your children or or if you need someone to help you communicate it to your spouse now's the time to do that don't wait until school starts and then it's thanksgiving and then it's christmas i think also people get sort of i call it summer fever like spring fever you know when the weather starts getting nice and we all want to be outside and it's sort of a, a time to start new projects I would suggest that if this is something that's been on the horizon for you for a long time, that maybe now's the time to start working on that. I think that is a great place to end, and we'll actually be discussing that topic a little bit more on our next podcast. So if you want to hear a little bit more about that particular topic, just tune in to our podcast next week, and we'll be addressing it. If you have any ideas for the show, please feel free to contact us. We're on Twitter at NJFamLaw. We're on Facebook, just uh, search NJ Divorce Solutions. We're on Instagram. Our handle is NJ underscore divorce. And I, we're off LinkedIn. We're on all the, all the social media networks. 
And if you have any questions or you'd like to get a little bit more advice from an attorney here in our law firm, uh, just give us a call, 732-529-6937, and we'd be happy to give you a free consultation if you mention that you heard about it on this podcast. We'll see you next week.